When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, for now, the NBA is still on track to restart the action on July 34th. 34th? July 31st, I'm sorry. <laughs> that would actually make more sense to, to start July 34th uh, They're in Orlando. They're exploring that date, yeah, I heard <laughs> What's that? They're exploring that date. Yeah, that's that in honor of in honor of Paul Pierce. <laughs> I think that's uh, Major League Baseball. That's going to be the next the next counter offer from from the players. July thirty first, thirty fourth. I'm not, I'm not, I'm sober, guys. Too. That's that, that's the thing. It's uh, cool if you aren't. But what we're going to do, I think, this may make more sense than throwing out fake dates. Is we're going to break down Danny Ainge's five best and worst uh, draft picks today. Uh, first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Give us a follow on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Uh, shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to Awaken 180 Weight Loss. And after the absolute worst introduction in the history of this podcast, um, I'm going to open up the floor. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Well, I I think you have an excuse for this, Rich, because you, you were on a cross-country flight, if I'm uh, told correctly. Let's let's chalk it up to that. Yeah, I did, I did uh, gamble a little bit and get on a plane uh, yesterday, fly from Los Angeles to, to Boston. Uh, maybe this is the early onset symptoms of, of COVID-19. We will see. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I am Were doing you, well, for was, the record. Give us the 30-second flying synopsis here. 30-second uh, flying synopsis. Okay, I'm hitting the, hitting the, the, the stopwatch right now. So uh, flight was at 6 a.m., which I recommend if anyone is crazy enough to fly to do it then because the airport was absolutely empty. I think they're pretty a- empty in general these mm-hmm. days. Um I had heard some horror stories about people who had flown from like uh, from LA to Florida or, or LA to South Carolina, like the usual suspects where people were not wearing masks on the flight. I'd heard of like had like fifty percent maskage uh, on these flights, but my JetBlue did a great job. JetBlue from LAX to Logan, I, I think hundred percent mask wearing on the flight. Like the flight attendants didn't even need to be vigilant about it. Like everyone pretty much had their had their masks on, so that was a little bit more relaxing. Um, and as of right now, I said I'm 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 doing all right. The the introduction, despite the introduction, I have um, a I have a quick question for you, Rich. Yeah, was it a packed flight or like were there people sitting in middle seats or did you kind of get some some room? So when I booked, you could you could not book a middle seat. So I I, I was flying with with three other people, mm-hmm. uh, and we we had we went four across like every other. But by the time we boarded, it was one, two, three, and then I had the uh, the the bookend on the other on the other side. So uh, I think if you were flying with people, they they had people in the middle. But otherwise, I don't think like you were you would be sitting in a middle seat next to someone that you weren't traveling with. That's my so it guess. wasn't like jam packed. No, I would say about it was definitely more than fifty percent. I would say maybe like seventy five percent full. Oh, okay. So That's again, it wasn't like like other than stopping kids from taking their masks off and like licking the tv screens on, on jet blue like it was pretty relaxing like if not for that like i probably would have would have had like a pretty decent flight good to hear 
Mike, yeah, did you we'll, consider... we'll check, in in, check in in two weeks, but... Yeah, right, yeah. We the... We're now doing all right. <laughs> I assume there was no consideration of flying to Michigan, Mike, for you guys. No, not really. It was just it's easier to... Because we got tested before mm-hmm. just to make sure that we were good before we went. So it kind of made no sense to hop on a plane, risk getting it, and then worrying about that the whole time we were there. So Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, all right, well... Knock on wood, Rich. Smooth experience. Hopefully, it stays that way. Um, now that you're back on the the East Coast, and what a great time for us to start. Um, what do we have a a 35 day countdown to the NBA season here? So we're running out of time to do these <laughs> look backs, these well, deep it, dives. In an alternate universe, this would be the time that we'd probably start talking about the NBA draft. This is Assuming true. Assuming the Celtics this... weren't in the finals, this would be the beginning of NBA draft season. That's right. It would be like a week from today, I think. So this, we did the time this pretty well, guys. Good job. Um, but yeah, so uh, we started this exercise, you know, a few, I think probably two or three weeks ago now with looking at Danny Ainge's five best and five worst trades. And now we, we head to the draft and we're going to be ranking these, uh, you know, five worst draft picks and five best draft picks. And so uh, Ainge has been drafting since, I believe it's 2003. So I think we have about 40 names or so to choose from here, guys. Uh, and before we start with the, the worst picks, did were there any names that just surprised you guys that you just forgot about period in the research? Or did, did everyone kind of ring a bell here? Hmm. Anyone that, um, I consi- anyone that I considered, I think I remember. Yeah, I would, I would agree with Rich there. There was, I mean, there were more bad picks, I think, than... I realized before I set out to actually do some research, but uh, no, I mean, like, there were nothing that, like, really shocked me or anything like that, although I do have a hot take in here that I can't wait to argue with you guys. (laughs) You've been teasing this for... I know, this is... Text thread? And and that's... Is the word in the worst section is your hot take? Yeah, it is. Oh, man. Hmm. I can't wait for this. Um, Yeah, it is... It is... uh, I agree with Mike. They're definitely... uh, it's not as one-sided as the trade front was in terms of good versus bad, but it definitely um, the the hit the hits were certainly outnumbered in the misses here. So, um, without further ado, I think we should start with uh, the worst, the five worst, and we're going to count this down from fifth worst to overall worst. So, you know, um, from obviously an ascending scale scale, and I had this is a tough debate for me for the fifth worst on my on my list, um, but I do think it's warranted here. This is a guy who came along during a pretty critical time for the Celtics franchise in the midst of the Big Three era, a time when the Celtics could have used uh, some help for the bench, and this guy was supposed to potentially replace uh, an outgoing free agent in James Posey mm. and he did not live up to it and that guy's name is J.R. Giddens yep. and he was taken at 30th overall in the first round in the 2008 draft again you don't expect a lot out of this pick in general number 30 but at the same time this team could have used something, and Giddens, I believe, was out of the league in two years. So it, that was a complete, uh, complete miss for uh, mm-hmm. the front officer. Critical miss. 
critical miss. Um, I had J.R. Giddens on my list, too. He came in at number four for me. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, you know, in the years after that when he was just super disappointing and then eventually dropped out of the league, uh, you know, looking uh, after at the available players. And I guess, like, in general, it's really stupid to play the hindsight game with the draft because the draft is a crapshoot. But for this exercise, that's pretty much all I'm doing. Right. It's useful for yeah. this exercise. And so, you know, if people who were Celtics fans at that time remember, like, the center position was pretty rough in terms of depth at that time. I mean, you had Perk, you had KG, who was primarily a four. He didn't really play a ton of five. And so I was always just banging my head against the wall when I saw the emergence of uh, DeAndre Jordan, who was selected after J.R. Giddens in the early second round, and Omer Ashik, who was a total blast from the past, who was pretty good for a while until he got uh, sick and then eventually dropped out of the league. And obviously the league's style of play changed, and that definitely accelerated his exit. But those two, I just imagine... If they were on the team and they were uh, able to develop with uh, the front court that we had and the, the culture that the Celtics had, just like how different things would have turned out. But I get the the, the thought process in trying to take a wing. He just kind of took the wrong one. Yeah, and, and I've, I remember I've, I've spoken to people with the Celtics like about that because DeAndre Jordan's the big one, and especially like during the time when DeAndre was still really DeAndre, everyone pointed to that. And when Giddens was, when Giddens was, was sent, uh, he was with Bill Walker to, to the Knicks for Nate Robinson. Was that the deal? Yep. His second year. Yep. And I remember them saying that like when DeAndre was in college, that they, they had looked at him and they said there was just no sign as far as they were concerned that he was going to become what he became. But, uh, Asik, is it, how do you say it? Is it Asik? Asik. Asik. Uh, that's a very Celtics pick. That wouldn't have surprised me. Um, and one more big name that was or one more center nikola pekovic at number 31 directly hmm. after he didn't come over right away but uh just one more center in the equation there that uh he obviously went to minnesota and before he got hurt was a, a force there for a couple of years and yeah. goran goran dragic was a 45th overall and again this is the second round like you yeah. know this they have every single year we're not we're not saying danny Ainge, you're an idiot for not drafting goran dragic uh in 2008 but uh you know there were there was some guys available and that again that that when you talk about extending the i don't want to call it a dynasty extending the big three era maybe a little bit longer than they did than they could have um you know or they you know, that would have some of those picks would have been critical in doing that but it's always just miss giddens was fifth on my list too b rob got it all Actually. right so um, uh, fifth on my list was uh, I'm, I'm I don't know if he's on your guys' list at all. Uh, I'm sure he is somewhere. Maybe uh, fan favorite, Gershon Yabusele. Mm. And yeah, he just was never good. Uh, <laughs> never really had a like any recognizably productive moment in my eyes. Um, and when you're, ta- I mean, we should you know the context here is obvious. It's that the Celtics had several picks that year they were trying to take players who they didn't need to play right away or could they stash overseas or whatever um so that was the thought process but there were some talented pieces still on the board uh that obviously could have been taken and yeah Gershon you know the dancing bear the French Draymond just 
Just <laughs> much better nicknames than, than, than ability. <laughs> he was number three in my list, actually. Oh. Yeah, and maybe we can talk about him real quickly. I mean, we take, we can, you can obviously you can look at Siakam, who was taken uh, a little bit yeah. later, but a lot of teams skipped out on him. Lavert right. was taken a little bit closer to uh, to Yabu was. But it was more that, like, no one else, it was just a real shot in the dark, it felt like. And again, I agree. Like they were, they they didn't necessarily have the room to bring over uh, a guy that that was going to make that kind of money at, at the number sixteen pick. Um, but you know, I, was, I think you know, Draft Express had him. I think thirty two. Chad Ford had him thirty. So he was really on the uh, you know uh, on uh, on the fence when it comes to first, first second round, and to take him with with the sixteenth overall pick, uh, and just to, again he he. Did, can you recall one moment? Like, oh, great! He was a f- fan favorite. He was fun guy to have just for personality and for Twitter and stuff like that. But what, did he have one moment on on the floor that that you remember? <laughs> I don't. No. No. Uh, he had one good game in Memphis. Like, two, like, and by one good game, I mean like he played like ten competent minutes. Um, yeah, I'm, he he was number one on my list. Whoa! Yeah. Hey now. I wow. mean, here's the deal. He was number 16 overall pick. And I know that this was, like you said, Mike, it was a strategy that they had in that draft to draft a stash, but he wasn't an NBA player. And so when you take an NBA player um, or a guy that doesn't end up being an NBA player at number 16 overall, um, and he gives you nothing while also like taking away roster spots from guys that you could use, um, that's, that's, worst on the list for me and so and to, to, for reference points like Malik Beasley was taken at 19 Karis LeVert was taken at 20 um again it wasn't a great draft in 2016 but I guess it was more an indictment on the their strategy and that draft of having all these picks and reaching for guys just to draft and stash them as opposed to trading down or trading out um it just didn't work and Yabuselli to me that's just the worst example of it of you know essentially getting nothing out of a mid first round pick um because you kind of painted yourself into a corner and at least i am sh- i'm shocked that he was your that he was number one for you b rob yeah i mean it's it was tough it wasn't like a slam dunk number one but just looking at his stats and like you know what the his where he was projected like some guys you know we'll, i'm sure we'll get to them later have you see the potential upside in college and stuff but this mm-hmm. is a guy that universally was everyone looked at me like okay that's maybe a second round pick um yeah. on draft night and you and so when you factor that into play it's like and just what he turned out is it's it's a miss on a variety of fronts for me and so that's why it ends up being number one on my list sorry uh, sorry but he was he was a fun guy to be around. I hope he's doing okay now, uh, <laughs> overseas. Uh, but yeah, Yabu did was that was a miss. So a miss. who was your number four, B Rob? So my number four um, was Fab Mello, and sad, R.I.P. sad, R.I.P. Um, it's really insult to injury. You're putting him on this list. I know, and I I honestly thought about taking him off for. The reason, and he honestly, um, but I, I couldn't do it um, from just the, what he was, and the he would have been you know higher up on a list um, for me, but the the, the twenty twelve NBA draft, especially the end of the first round, it's pretty much all not bust, but just 
pretty useless players were taken even after him. So it's hard to, while he was probably the worst of the bunch, having only played one year in the league before they, they dumped him and he obviously never stuck again before um, his unfortunate passing. But um, yeah, he just, you know, again, he wasn't a, an NBA player, didn't really fit the scheme. And, um, and yeah, at number 22, just uh, a swing and a miss for Danny. That, Second, so I just before I go on, I was uh, just gonna say the same thing that you're about to say. It's absurd. Yeah, Fab Mello was my number two worst pick. Really? Yeah. Um, he wasn't even on my list. Wow. Is that just, just, just out because, of respect, or is it... no? Just because I, I mean, and I know you're gonna talk about how ridiculous the second round of that draft was. Yeah. But if you look at the at the rest of the first round, you know, it was a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks in the first round after uh, Fab Mello, and I'm not sure there's one that's still in the league. They're all just, you know, uh, you know, so Miles Plumley's Miles Plumley's still collecting checks somewhere. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah, but I mean, you get to the second round, it's absurd, but I just don't think that there are any, uh, you know, real obvious uh, misses there until you yeah, get to so later. Real quick, just a, a quick uh, summary of some of the names that were in that second round uh, who are still in the league and recognizable, if not all-stars, if not Hall of Famers. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky, Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, Will Barton, Mike Scott. Uh, I think that is... K-O-Q? Every, who? who? Kyle O'Q. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess he <laughs> is technically in the NBA. Um so there were players available uh and it's you know you don't want to crap too much on Danny for not taking Draymond when the Warriors took Festus Azili 30th and then took Draymond 35th so it's not like even they were geniuses with that selection but Fat Mello was just really he wasn't good at all um and only ended up playing six games for the Celtics and yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything too bad about him, but he was my number two pick. Royce White, the only first rounder to play in fewer games that NBA games. He only played three in three games. Mm. Yeah. So, Rich, who was your who was your four? My four is a guy that I I considered putting even lower uh, or higher, however you want to say it. But he was he had a pretty he still has a pretty decent career. But uh, my number four was Kelly Olenek. Wow. Yeah, and and I know it's easy to say, you know, how did you not take Giannis, a guy that, I mean, clearly NBA scouts had heard of him, but no one else had heard of him before the pick, and obviously Gobert was taken later. But I just think at that time in Celtics history, this is the same night that you trade Pierce and, and Garnett, you're bringing in Brad Stevens, and maybe, so Brad Stevens had come in before that draft, is that True, or is it after the fact? Not officially, but I think they were talking to him probably Okay, so, so that, that makes it even less understandable for me because I could see Kelly being kind of Brad's kind of player. But if there was ever a time when you're blowing up your entire organization to roll the dice on an unknown, on potential, and Kelly Olenek was probably a very safe pick, and he not, not probably, he was a safe pick, and, and I think it played out that way. But in terms of what you were maybe going to get, I think that was the time to, to roll the dice on someone that could be a game changer and Olenek was not that pick for me rich yes kelly Olenek was my number one worst pick oh wow wow, wow. i was just about to fight you guys on this and now mike comes out guns oh, I, blazing i hate myself for not putting oh man damn it so 
uh, everything you said, you stole my thunder a little bit. Like, is that your hot take? Yeah, that's a hot take. Oh, a stolen hot take, Mike. You must be. That was my hot fuming take. right now. Yeah. Um, no, Rich. Like everything you said is is where I was at with why I chose Kelly, and it's like the Celtics are totally rebuilding, and you take a guy who is who was twenty two years old his rookie season, who had a clear ceiling on the defensive end, a clear ceiling in terms of athleticism. I understood he was. Uh, you know, extremely efficient and could shoot the ball in college and all that. And you knew he was going to be a useful piece, but like you also knew he was going to be a role player. So when you trade up from 16 to 13 to take him, Giannis has taken 15th. Like, obviously, no one knew Giannis was going to become a multiple time MVP. Like, that's not what we're <laughs> saying here. What we're saying is that when you're rebuilding, you have to take risks in the draft. And the upside with someone like Giannis even though it's really difficult to go back and say something like this, is obviously higher than Kelly Olynyk. Like, it's not really up for debate whose ceiling was higher, even on that night. So you got to swing for the fences with a pick like that. You're in the middle of the first round. And if you take Giannis, everything changes forever. And I would imagine he would develop into what he has become because he has a lot of intrinsic values that can't be even taught. And... That's a tough one. That is a tough, tough pick. I totally see where you guys are coming from, and I agree with your bigger points about taking a swing at that point and where the franchise was. With that said, you guys are nuts. You guys are. <laughs> I'm gonna. This is a bananas. Putting Olenek. I mean, we're gonna get some more names here, but putting Olenek in the same company as J.R. Giddens and Yabu, like Olenek. Everything is an relevant. above average is an above average number thirteen overall pick. Do I need to send you guys some some clips of Game Seven against the Washington Wizards? Yeah, I know. is that that's the worst? His, is that the worst? That, yeah, that's his peak. Uh, uh, that's him, a and pretty good. Wa- and they let him walk. After well, that. for Gordon Hayward, yeah. like you have a pretty good reason to let him walk. Like they didn't want to let him walk. If they could have kept him, they would have. This is not to mention if he hadn't gone to that Kevin Durant meeting, I think that KD probably would have picked the Celtics. He ki- yeah, he killed it. The yeah. tie-dye shirt. Come on, man. <laughs> Listen, this is... It's, it's all circumstantial. This is it's all circumstantial. It's, it's circumstantial. Like, I appreciate... I mean, Mike wasn't lying about hot takes here. Like, he backed that no, up I here. came with it. He I came with it. it. But this is like an honorable mention. Like, if that, for words. Like, th- putting Olenek, this is... This is blasphemy. <laughs> is, I mean, Giannis is like, right now, younger than... Kelly was when he made his NBA debut. I, mean, I know. NBA, I mean, the age thing. Yeah, I, again, you make good points on that front. I'm not. I'm conceding all those points. It's still nuts. Like you gotta like. Yabu was taken 16th, three picks after Olenek here. Like, right. And, and if they had taken Kelly Olenek 16th that year, it would not be on my list. It was just. It was a time and place. Again, it was. It was just a safe pick when it, when it was not time to be safe. Yeah, and like real quick, I just want to say I would not have had Kelly. Like I'm, I'm looking at like his contributions and what type of career he had in a Celtics uniform and the contract he got from Miami, and I factored all that in. But like at the end of the day, he was never even a full time starter on the Celtics, and he was like the first pick of the rebuild. So you would imagine that he would eventually develop into becoming, you know, the starting four. He would make uh, progress on the defensive end, enough competency on that side of the ball to earn Brad Stevens' trust, but 
That just, like, never happened. He never averaged really over 20 minutes a game in his Celtics career. Like, that is... That's pretty damning. Mm. He's not, a good I'm backup big you. man. I'm not telling you. I mean, it's we'll have to agree to, agree to disagree on that front. But I, I see your guys' point. I mean, the points are valid. And ones that you can make about, you know, all those teams, all those 14 teams that passed on Giannis there, like, are still thinking about to this day. But um, this is this is just dis- disrespectful <laughs> for the clinic. <laughs> Disrespect. All right, Mike, uh, who do you have? Who's so, your – what are you down to, number three for you? Yeah, yeah or, four was JR for me. Um, and who was your five? Five was Gershon. Yeah, Got absolutely. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Number three for me is James Young, mm-hmm. 17th overall in 2014. Uh, you know, that night, you know, speaking as someone who I was still watching a tiny bit of college basketball back then, not a, not like a ton. I mean, I saw the national championship game. James Young was pretty good in that game. He had that dunk, right? That was the, his dunk? Yeah, he was, and, dunk in that yeah game. he was flashing like a nice little like mid-range pull-up, and I don't know, left-handed. I liked what I saw, but like Gary Harris and Rodney Hood were two other players of similar ilk who I thought were going to be better. And I think that, you know, age was a factor here. Like, you, you look at how young James Young, I think he was the youngest player in that draft or second youngest or something like believe that. believe here yep i think you nailed it and so there you go like you're rebuilding you you're betting on his upside i understand that so i'm not going to kill it too much especially when i just said that kelly <laughs> <was the worst laughs> um how do i but, change kelly to my number one too but, <laughs> copycat um, do it. but yeah i there were some other players that were similar that have had gone on to have respectable you know they're not like all-stars or anything but they would have been respectable role players on the team instead of james young who literally did nothing uh where is he on your list rich uh i, I you know i don't feel great about my about my number one i'll say two he's he's, he's second are you changing list. your list on the fly right now he's pointing to me he's pointing me this is what i do (laughs) i feel so bad about the kelly olenic thing because i wanted to have him number one too and i chickened out at the uh, down the stretch but i but i also i also don't want to the guy who i have number one i feel bad because it's very no no no. you gotta keep him stay there he's Uh, no you gotta let us know you gotta leave him in come on man i want to hear it now we can't wait till hear it if you feel bad about it i mean it's 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 pretty obvious i think at this point so james young is two for 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 pretty much the same reasons and again uh Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich in that draft as well. But, you know, clearly other teams saw something in Young that scared them off, right? Because we said the, the the skill level was there, like the, the raw talent was there, the athleticism was there. Uh, clearly all these other teams saw something that they didn't want to pursue. And and it's a very it was a very Danny Inch pick, and we can't, like, you know, we, we can't, like, again, we're, we're giving him shit for not rolling the dice on, on Giannis or or, you know, playing it safe with Kelly. And, you know, James Young was not the safe pick. And in this case, you pay for it a little bit. But mm-hmm. when there were other guys, like you said, I mean, especially Harris and Hood, just really selected very close after him, that just that's just a big miss. It's, I mean, James Young, I would read, like, I've heard some stories about James Young, like, in terms of when things started going down of him and, like, leaving G League games at halftime and things like that once he left the Celtics. So, like, 
it's I don't know whether it was just a work ethic thing with him from the start or what it was happened. I think it was. I think that's like I mean there was he clearly his skill level wasn't as good as he thought it was, but he clearly needed to put in the work and he obviously did not. Um but yeah, I had him as number two on my list. Um you guys already went over the names that were available in that spot. Um any one of them would you know, you don't need to have an all star at seventeen, but again you want to have someone who can contribute something and I went back and forth with him and Gershon um, for my number one, but I guess James Young had a couple games with a few good threes, and so that sweet that that got him out of that spot. Wait, so Rich, uh, has your number one been said yet? It has not. Okay, I only have one. Can I? Guess, can, I then. can I? Can I guess? Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if you don't get it. Really? Because um, there's a couple of honorable mentions I have here. But... There's only one guy it could be in my mind. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Mike? Is it Jawan Johnson? It is, and I and I don't feel great about it because again, this guy was the the Big Ten, not only Big Ten Player of the Year, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, his last year in college. But clearly, some, I mean, the fact that he never played another NBA game after leaving the Celtics, and he's one of those guys. They're used to, used to hear that like when uh, when KG would when, when a new big man would come into the Celtics, and and KG would for the most part, you know, try to embrace this guy and, and show them how it needed to be. And, and obviously he had his special way of doing it, but that there were guys that if you, I don't know if he, if he just read them a certain way or if they showed him a certain something that KG would write you off. And once KG write, wrote you off, you were done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick O'Brien was one of those guys. And mm-hmm. uh, Juwan Johnson is another one. Uh, so the fact that like, it just something had to be missed, right? And it may, and also, it, and another reason I felt bad of putting it number one is because it made sense because KG was getting older. You needed a big guy, and at the end of the first round, that's a time where you can maybe roll the dice on something like that. But um, it was just such a big miss for a guy that, again, after he left the Celtics, never played again in the NBA. Clearly, one reason or another was not an NBA player. When I think about Jawan Johnson, like. His body type was always so... It didn't really jibe with the defensive potential and reputation to me. Like, he was a stick, wasn't it? Am I, like, am, I haven't yeah. like, thought about him too much, but... He was real thin. Yeah, I never really... That one... And, like, his offensive game was just a lot of mid-range jumpers, if I recall. Like, mm-hmm. that was a tough one. Tough pick. Yeah, that was number three on my list. And I think it's to... Like, if you compare it to the Olympic situation, I mean, I, not really with that, but Jimmy Butler, here's the thing. Oh, that's 2000, that, that 2011, like, end of the first round, the Celtics are in desperate need of some wing help behind Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Like, they are, like they were essentially every year in this era once Posey left. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Allen was gone by this point. And Jimmy Butler, who had a great career, at Marquette is just waiting right there and was like rumored to be like, okay, this is, this is a guy. If he's there, they should take, and he will give them something off the bench. And of course he went two picks later, but it wasn't just Butler right there at the end of the first round. Uh, Corey Joseph, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, all taken within the next five picks there. So again, a, a, just a, a crucial miss, um, for the season on a time where they really needed some, some help. And it's, uh, it's funny that it would end up being Etwan Moore, who was the 
the much better uh still a quality player still quality player um that was taken 30 picks later also by the celtics and was maybe taken because he was johnson's <laughs> right, yeah. purdue teammate right yep, so, right right it's funny no um, one knows anything in the draft that's the uh yeah the moral right. of this um i think so that's my list gins five fab Mello four juan Johnson three james young two yabu one mike have we gotten everyone on your list yes we have so you want to recap yours quick and rich? Sure. I had Yabu 5, Giddens 4, Young 3, Fat Mellow 2, Kelly 1. And I'm, I'm just bringing mine up. I was on uh, J.R. Giddens' <laughs> Wikipedia page. Sorry. Um, rich is rewriting his list. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so J.R. was 5, Kelly O uh, was 4, Yabu was 3, uh, Jimmy Young was 2. And Jawan Johnson was was my number one. All right, quick quick trivia for you guys: uh, Yabu, James Young, and Jawan Johnson. One's playing in France. One's playing in Turkey. One's playing in Israel. Which one is playing? Um, Yabu, France. Be... That's the easy one. Zizic, Turkey. Zizic? No, not Zizic. Zizic said playing was playing Cleveland. Wait, who did jo- you say J- the second J- one? James Young and Jawan Johnson. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on Zizich's Wikipedia page. My bad. Um, <laughs> James Young is in Israel, uh, tear, tearing it up in Israel, uh, and is. Jawan Johnson is in Turkey. He's been around. That's cool that he's still playing professional basketball. It's fantastic. It's great that yeah. all these guys that you know, and it just goes to show yeah. you. I mean, and they probably made pretty damn good money. Uh, yeah, out there, they are supporting uh, themselves playing basketball for a living. That's. Uh, it's not impressive. a bad lot in life. Uh, anyone, before we go to the best five picks, anyone that you were debating, making in, sneaking into your top five? Uh, for me, uh, Dishonorable mentioned Gabe Pruitt, RJ Hunter uh, were my two that I was, was thinking about number five. But Gabe Pruitt's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think he was out of the league in one year. I had Juwan Johnson on my honorable mention, and then... I had someone else who I didn't write down like an idiot uh, who was I can't I can't recall him Rich you go tell me who your honorable mentions were maybe he'll pop up in my head uh, I don't this. really have any but I'm gonna give you some time to think about it because uh, when most people try try to lose weight guys they think exercise and whether they actually start exercising or not the results are normally the same and I say that because losing weight is all about nutrition with Awaken 180 weight loss you receive a customized nutrition plan weekly one-on-one coaching, and the option to receive 80% of your daily food to help you lose weight your first week and each week after that until you're down to your ideal weight. Uh, During your weight loss transformation, you'll be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat so you can keep that weight off for the long term. As always, Awaken 180 will provide you free support for life. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zola, Kyle Draper, Andy Gresh, and thousands of others. Uh, now it is your turn. Uh, call the long-term solution for weight loss in the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox. That's Awaken 180, la- Awaken 180 Weight Loss online at awaken180weightloss.com. Uh, honorable mention, Michael Pina, you got it? Um, or were you too, too yes, caught up in my yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, Jared Sullinger. I don't know if that's unfair. I mean, he was taken a pick before Fab Mello. He dropped substantially because of worries about his back, I believe. So he was, like, red flagged. They took him at 21 thinking it was pretty good value. He wasn't terrible or anything. Um, 
pretty good rebounder in those dark years when the Celtics were rebuilding. But yeah, I mean that was the same thing with Fab Mello where it was there's there were some studs in the second round that could have been taken as well and you 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 knew that Jared Sullinger's career wasn't going to be super long, but you used the pick on him anyway. He was he was solid though. I mean for for yeah. You know, and not even just with Brad Stevens, with Brad Stevens, with Doc, and and that year when he got hurt, it was it the the twenty twelve, yeah, twenty twelve season, where his back came out. Yeah, he was he was he was doing work before he got hurt there. That was a, I remember that was a big bummer when he went down for the year. Yep. Uh, so should we do best now? Let's do it. Um, Mike, you want to lead us off with your. Ooh. Okay. Or either one of you, Mike or Rich, yeah. lead us off your number sure. five. Uh, fifth best pick of Danny Ainge's career. I think oh, this can, is going to be I, a can little. Can I say something real quick sure, before sure. we get into this? Sure. And we, and we talked about this a little bit, and I think there's there's a conversation to be had about, and as some would say, the best pick would be like the best player that's taken later, right? Yep. But I would argue that it's almost more impressive to get, and the pool is bigger. But you also have more chances to make a mistake, and there's more pressure. I just think it's. I, I agree just want with to you. say, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So I just want to say that the, the higher I, picks sometimes are the better picks. Yeah, I balanced my list here with that philosophy back and forth with value versus you could screw up if you have a high pick. Um, so and also as a disclaimer for our criteria, like we're we're gauging the players' careers primarily when they're with the Celtics here. Yes. Like, so that is what is. I mean, it's not. We don't discount entirely where they what happened elsewhere, but that's the primary focus for us. Correct. Uh, go ahead, Mike. So fifth uh, best pick of Danny Ainge's tenure, I'm going with Kendrick Perkins, uh, selected 27th overall in 2003. Um, by I guess he was technically selected by Memphis, and then there was a trade, but. Uh, yeah, I, I this was more value here, and obviously Perk bounced around after the Celtics traded him, but he was the starting center on a championship team. He was the starting center on a team that basically lost in the finals because he tore his ACL, and so he was he was critical and uh, damn good. And coming out of high school, I mean, he was, I think, ranked at one point as the number two high school player in the country. And I was the same year LeBron was drafted. LeBron was obviously number one forever. Um, but he was he was good, as particularly on the defensive end. And he bought in with, you know, it's not easy being a young dude with KG coming in and all that. And he was, like, he held his own. You talk about improvement. I mean, he but he really, he was good. And it's funny because... I never would have imagined, and I think Leon Poe was like in the top five of that 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 uh, high school class as, as well. But like, he was really he could barely run. I remember when he first came to the NBA, and it's weird mm-hmm. because you said like he was so highly rated out of high school, and maybe that was just because you know the high school. If you're Kendrick Perkins' size, you can dominate very easily. But like his improvement over the course of those few years before he was the starting center on it on a finals team was, was unbelievable. And maybe, and maybe Danny saw some of that, some of that potential, you know, maybe some of it, like you said, at, at that stage in the draft, you can roll the dice a little bit more, but uh, anytime you get someone like that, that late in the draft, that's a success. He was not in my top five. He's, he was certainly an honorable mention for me though. 
he was number four for me. Um, again, I, you, I mean, you guys, everything just said, you know, I mean, and the great thing that Ainge did here too, uh, or the Celtics did here too, is signed him to a four-year, $16 million deal right when his rookie deal expired. So he was locked in at real cheap money during the prime years of the big three era. So um, that was essential given how much the C's were paying Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen at that point to have, you know, uh, an above average starter at center uh, for just $4 million a year. And, you know, he was clearly a different player after the torn ACL in 2010. But even in 2009, when KG was out in the playoffs, he was putting up some big numbers when he was getting some more opportunities offensively and, was a great rebounder. I mean, his defense was always the best. He was, you know, his turnovers were always very bad, but the rest of his game, um, offensively, he got to the line a lot for the amount of shots he took. And then, so for that, he was just a, a key part of that team. And if I think, honestly, if KG's healthy, he's a reason probably why they win three in a row from 2008 through 2010 if, if KG never goes down. Agree. Um, B Rob, who was your number five? Uh, my number five was Delonte West. Whoa, okay. And again, this is not the most impressive career, but this is a guy that was a big reason why the Celtics got Ray Allen, and they got him, I believe, at number twenty-four overall in the twenty two thousand four NBA draft. Um, by his third NBA season, he was averaging 12 points a game, four assists, uh, shooting, you know, 37% from three, and wasn't, and that's tremendous value for a guy at the end of the first round. And I don't think they get Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett unless Delonte West is on that team as a, you know, he he wasn't the the top piece in that Ray Allen deal, the number five overall pick was, but West's was you know uh, above average starter that was only 23 years old at that point in the career and and that was important to Seattle who you know shipped him off to Cleveland um, for to, in order to dump Wally Zerbiak's contract that next season so <laughs> it's for me Delonte was you know he obviously played his some of the best basketball his career in Boston during those early years and it's sad to see what his kind of career turned into later on once like the the mental stuff came up but um that was a a nice gem for Ainge at the end of the first round do you can i you don't have we don't have to go into it but do you have tony allen on your list as well he does he is not on my list interesting because he i believe with him his best basketball came when he wasn't a celtic and so that's kind of why if i was judging by whole careers i would have put allen ahead of delante but just for what like West had more value to the Celtics when he was here than Allen did uh, during his whole career, so that's kind of how he, the tiebreak was there for me. Interesting. Probably wouldn't be able to say that had Perk not torn his ACL, because Tony was pretty damn good on that. Uh... You mean when Tony tore his ACL? No, I mean like if Tony Allen, because if the Celtics win that that title, the second title, I mean Tony Allen was a big part of that team. Uh he was not the first I mean, one. But the, yeah, not the first one, but yeah, the second one. He was, he he came through in the playoffs, but he was kind of up and down all all that year. I was at that game when, where Tony Allen tore his ACL on the on the missed dunk after the, I know, <laughs> after, it's, after the whistle. Stuff. So it was Yogi apparently. Yogi Yogi was devastated by that. 
Uh, <laughs> my number five, we'll say, uh, was Avery Bradley. Oh. And like the reason I threw him at number five, so he was a number 19 pick in the 2010 draft, is that if you look at, at that draft at, on the whole, there's not one, there are a couple guys in the second round, but there's not one other guy in the first round of that draft taken after 19 that went on to have a career remotely close to Avery Bradley. So of the pool of players that Danny Age had to choose from, I, I he, he knocked that one out of the park. And even in the second round, you get the, the only two other guys, I think, are Lance Stevenson and Hassan Whiteside. And you can forgive Danny Ainge for, for staying away from both those guys. Um, certainly Hassan at, at that stage in his career where he was, you know, needed to grow up a bunch. And Lance Stevenson, obviously, it's Lance Stevenson. But uh, I just think that that was a home run for who he had to choose from at that stage in the draft. Uh, you got a guy who, you know, still in the league, uh, was great when he was with the Celtics. Um, and, yeah, that's my number five. I like that. And also, I, and I, I remember that everyone was upset that they didn't take James Anderson, the shooting guard from from Oklahoma State, that he was going to be the second coming of Ray Allen, and who you know only lasted a few more years, and then is like uh, like Juwan, he's been bouncing back between Turkey and, and Russia the last few years. No, I, I like that pick a lot, and Avery Bradley, I think coming out of high school was number the number two recruit behind John Wall. And then, you know, goes to Texas. And his reputation was as what he, everything about, you know, him on the defensive end was his rep. And that completely, he completely lived up to it in a Celtics uniform. And the shoulder problems that he had were pretty devastating. And they eventually, you know, he was the right pick to replace Ray Allen in that, in the, in the, in the rotation. And, but I think physical injuries kind of. I mean, there was that block. I'm sure you guys remember of Dwayne Wade from the on like the fall away. Like Dwayne Wade, you know, is driving under the the behind the baseline and tries this fall away, and Avery Bradley blocks him and sends him to the ground. It was like one of the. It was like a oh, yeah, coming out that. moment for Avery Bradley in a lot of ways. Um, I forget what year exactly that was, but he was super good, and it's really interesting just how like. It sucks for him that he kind of became a free agent when he did, and he didn't get the money that he probably was expecting. But right now, he's a starter on one of the best teams in the NBA. So that's it's pretty wild to think about. Just how, he's still an impactful player, and is one of the guys who doesn't want them to come back. Right? That is the case. Yes. Yeah, he was in my honorable mention. Uh, list and yeah, I have not not really have nothing to add. It's funny that he, I don't know whether like the, the metrics have never really liked him as like despite him being you know an all defensive player like, and it's it's weird like I wonder what and it's good to see him having a resurgence this year in LA like you said, Mike on a contender to kind of show his value on that front. Um, but yeah, there's I mean like you said, Rich, you. He's a guy that they were happy to take when they fell to them and has pretty much outperformed anyone else in that draft class beyond him. So um, it was a tough cut for me, but um, a worthy pick in the top five. All right, should I give my four? So my, my four is not, a, is, not a, is not a hot take, but mm-hmm. maybe surprise some people. But I just think that, and, and, and this guy was really the number one overall pick as far as I'm concerned, than the number three. But to oh, no. this is very hot. This is very hot. 
Is it really hot? Yeah. To say to say that hot. Jason Tatum is one of the yeah. top five draft picks and and Danny well, you're tenure? putting him at number four. It's hot, in my opinion. But Wait, go you, on. Would you, do you have him? Do you have him higher? Don't don't spoil it, Mike. Don't spoil it. I'm oh, you're gonna, gonna he's gonna say it, it eventually. Anyways, I, yeah, I just I just think that you get a, a potential, let's say, a top five NBA player at some point in his career. And considering and this is what I'm, I'm putting into the consideration as well, the other guys that were available at that stage. And the and, and real hot takes the, the hot takes that were going around about who the Celtics should pick, uh, and I think that that in, in this case Danny Ainge saw Jason Tatum, he knew who Jason Tatum was, and never wavered from that. And uh, the the future of the organization is going to be better for it uh, for the next decade so, plus. Yes, I agree with everything you said, which is why he probably should be a, a little higher than number four. I'm interested to see who your top three are, but. Okay. Should, can, B-Rob, can I say where I had Tatum or no? Not yet. Yes, please. Okay, please, had, no, go ahead. I, now we can. I, I, I had Tatum number one for me, best pick of Ooh. Danny Ainge's tenure. Um, and a lot of Not ways, as hot as Kelly, but hot. Here. What'd you say? Not as hot as your Kelly take, but I think this is a hot take. So it wasn't the most straightforward thing to have him number one. I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to get into... As we go on the list, I'm, I'll get into more about how I kind of made the selection and what I was debating internally. But Tatum, like, at the end of the day, Danny Ainge did not have to take Jason Tatum. He could have taken Mark L. Fultz. He could have taken Lonzo Ball. He could have taken Josh Jackson. Um, he, got the best, he, he got the best player in the draft. He was confident enough to trade down to take the best player in the draft. Uh, with one of the most impressive and confident trades in recent memory. Um, it just reflects his scouting, and it reflects his intuition and his knowledge. And, it, like, it's just this guy is going to be one of the best players in the NBA for the foreseeable future. Uh, he's already an all-star. He'll be an all-star, barring any physical ailment, for, like, the next 10 years easily. And... Yeah, when you just kind of look at that, there's really no one on that level in terms of talent, in terms of he could have screwed it up when I compare it to, to, to Tatum. Like, that, it's just, it's, it's it, to me, it's got to be Tatum, number one. Here's a question for you guys. Say this Ainge did mess it up, that draft, and took, took Fultz. Where would he be on your guys' worst pick list? Where would Fultz be? Yeah. If Fultz was the exact same player where you had to trade him for, uh, what's his face? <laughs> I'm blanking well, on his name let, now. Let's say they kept him and he like is what he is now. Who did they trade him for? Uh, Jonathan, I'm blanking on the last Jonathan name. Jonathan Simmons? And a first-round pick. They got a first-round pick. And Wasn't it Jonathan like a, it was a first, but it was so protected that it's going to be two seconds or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an unimpressive first-round pick. Yeah, slash Colangelo first. made the deal. Anyway, yeah. um, Fultz, I he would have been. I don't want to like back off my Kelly Olenek thing because <laughs> I'm so entrenched. But this is a he would have been. Do it. He would have been top three. Yeah, that would have been a top three bad pick. Oh, that would have been number one. Yeah, it, I mean, That's I, I'm not gonna one. like. Yeah, I'm not gonna like argue with you if you say it's number one. That would have been pretty bad, especially if, if I mean, if we're doing this this timeline and Tatum is Tatum and the Sixers get him. I mean, then it's over. That that's the worst pick. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. That's the ball game. Cause can you imagine if that happened and like Kyrie left and Tatum wasn't here? 
just like that nightmare scenario for this that that would have been like hit after hit it's fair to wonder though like i mean and this is a whole different conversation like what happens to tatum and 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 philly where uh, you know where a, a lot of top picks flame out and what happens to Fultz in a, in a more stable, uh, nurturing situation? I mean, he's because I mean, Fultz is good now, he, yeah, he's he, okay. and he's going to be better. Like, in two or three years, I think Marco Fultz is a really good player in the NBA. Um, Tatum is Tatum, I mean, right? Exactly. I, I, there's no part of me that wishes that we could see this reality play out, but uh, had it, I, I, you know, I think that Fultz is probably a little bit better off. But it's funny, like at the same time, I don't get the sense that the Celtics. I mean, certainly they consider. They obviously did their homework on Markel Fultz. Brought him but in. Like Photo once shoot. they, yeah. I mean, once they started doing that, I you know, they they were they were clearly Tatum was clearly their guy. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, Who's your four? All right, going back though, Tatum was my third. Okay. On my list, and it's funny I, when I started doing this list, he was probably five because I didn't want to, you know. It, Again, I kind of looked at it as like, okay, you take a guy three, he's supposed to be, um, you know, get you you uh, taking Perk at 27 was more impressive than taking Tatum at three to me at first. And then I started thinking about it more and being like, you know, Tatum is already an all-star. And like we, we just talked about, they could have messed that up. And that would have set the franchise potentially back for years. And they didn't. They found their cornerstone. And so that thing about him where I'm like, all right, he has to be at minimum three. And as I hear Mike talking, he might be creeping up to one by the end of this uh, <laughs> time we finish talking about this. But yeah, he's he's a solid three for me for now. And just the stakes are so different. Like you, you miss on Perk. I mean, I'm saying this is the person who put Juwan Johnson at their worst pick ever. <laughs> but like you, you, you miss on Perk and kind of get forgotten. You miss on Jason Tatum and again you're you're never you're a lot of people get fired for that but like right yeah real quick just like i'm gonna read you guys some third overall picks in the last uh let's say 12 years ish um, just a good to like spot though isn't it what'd you say i said i feel like three is like a sneaky like really good spot but maybe i'm wrong yeah so anyway um <laughs> <laughs> so you have adam morrison i'm just gonna read the bad names oh, so yeah, to, was to, right. to yeah. bolster my argument Okay. Um, Adam Morrison, OJ Mayo, uh, Ennis Cantor, Otto Porter. Why did you whisper Ennis Cantor? I, I, I said it <laughs> loud and proud. Um, Otto Porter, Jaleel Okafor, and the most recent Okafor. one is uh, RJ Barrett. Now, obviously, there are really good names here. Where you have like Harden and Brad Beal and Joel Embiid and Jalen and Tatum and Luca. So, obviously, there's good number threes here. <laughs> And it kind of just depends on the draft class in a lot of ways, but you can you can whiff here. And sure. he, I mean, he could have taken Josh Jackson, and that's like the ultimate whiff. But he didn't. And I think not every GM. It wasn't a slam dunk to take Tatum, which is why I had it number one. Not at all. I mean, so, Rich, sorry. Can I guess? Can I guess your is is Jalen your number three? No. Or number two? Nope. Wait, wait. I haven't done my four yet. I hate Jalen. Oh, you're number Sorry. It's true. Should I do my number four? Have you guys said your, who your number fours are? Yeah, mine was Perk. So I went to Lante five, Perk four, okay. Tatum three. And then, wait, Rich, who was your number four? Uh, Tatum. Gotcha. Okay, so my number four is uh, Marcus Smart. Oh, wow. Honorable uh, mention for me. I like it. Sixth overall pick in 2014. And I basically took him because, I mean, he's the heart and soul of the organization. And, again, I go back to... You didn't have to take Marcus Smart. And if you just look at that draft, uh, 
the the players who were right behind Marcus Smart who got picked, there's a lot of a lot of not great happening. And if you just look in terms of like character and work ethic and uh, I don't even know, like ability to improve and flexibility, like you're just in a different place as an organization. And then right before Marcus Smart, Dante Exum gets taken by the Utah Jazz. And so it's just like, uh, you know, the, the draft is a crapshoot. And I just think this was the, a combination, in my opinion, of value and at that pick, at that slot, and just a player who changed a lot of things for your organization and who's been really critical and really important ever since he was taken. I'm not going to fail you there. Uh, honorable mention for me. And didn't make the top five. Marcus didn't make the Smart. top five. It's a it's a tough. Again, I, what hurts him here is going six. I think if you go through time, he's probably a slightly above average six overall pick compared to the math. I haven't done a deep dive on six overall picks, but that's again like his value. He is a top tier roller pick. He's kind of lived that up to that. But I gave more credit to finding. You know, Delonte West in the twenties um, versus finding a good guard at number six overall. Delonte West over Marcus Smart. Gotcha, Ray Allen. Gotcha, Ray <laughs> Allen. That that that's that's my rebuttal to that one. Can I read um, you some number six picks, please? Uh, we'll start. Let's see what year we want to start in to make my argument the best possible. Yeah. <laughs> it can be. You look at the worst ones. I'm going to look at the best number six picks. <laughs> I'm going to start, start in 2004. Josh Childress, Martel Webster, Brandon Roy, E. Jian Lian, Gallo, Johnny Flynn, Ekbe Udo, Jan Vesely, Dame Lillard, Nerlens Noel. <laughs> Excuse me? Dame Lillard? Yeah, Dame Lillard, Nerlens Noel, then we have Marcus Smart, and then we have Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Heald, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and Jared Culver. So if you honestly look at that list, like I don't know how many of those names I would take over Marcus Smart. Maybe like one or two, honestly. Ooh, I only have I only have one name for you at number six overall. That Who's that? Uh, that'd be Larry Bird. He yes, he is the greatest number six ever taken. So I rest my case. Um, <laughs> Rich, who are we at right now? We have so my number three was Tatum. So I got Delonte, Perk, Tatum. I can do my my number three. Yeah, what's your number three? My number three is Mr. Jalen Brown. Uh, he's great. And, uh, you know, I picked this, a lot of it is even more dramatically, uh, you know, like the the Tatum philosophy here applies with you could have gone in a really different direction and screwed everything up. Because with this draft, look, everyone knew who was going to go number one and uh number two simmons and ingram those were the two top prospects by far and then like as i'm sure you remember b rob like number three was uh it was kind of a crapshoot like we didn't know in what direction they were going and you know jalen brown had a lot of question marks in terms of uh his offense and his shooting in particular his shooting and like I mean, Jamal Murray was on the board. There were some other really quality players that were available. 
and they nailed this. And Jalen has been, you know, he could have been an all-star this season. Uh, they give him the, the, the humongous extension that he deserves. He's still super young. He's just so perfect for where the league is and where the league is going. He's one of the better young two-way wings. And uh, the sky's the limit for this dude. And uh, it's to say nothing of who he is as a person and all of his off-court contributions and his leadership qualities, um, I'm personally very happy that the Celtics have him uh, in their organization. And uh, you know, you could have you could have whiffed on this one. Yeah, that's. I think you make an important point about Jalen, Mike, in terms of how he was viewed going to that draft. It was not a reach at three, but it was certainly. Uh, not a clear cut going to him there. And while there's certainly some guys that panned out in that range, like Jamal Murray, there was just as many guys such as Dragon Bender, Chris Dunn, uh, that Marquise Chris, uh, that will have flopped essentially uh, for that role. So that was, that was a huge hit. And he's an honorable mention for me, um, but I wouldn't doubt in another two years that he could be easily cracked a top five on my list. And Rich, I think we've re- we've we've reestablished contact here. We have we got contact, and and just to 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 make I mean, this might blow up contact again by saying this, but Jalen Brown's my number one. Ooh. Whoa, yeah. I mean, for for That's, for, ooh, for, for, for all the reasons you said, for for what was on the line, and I, and it wasn't only the guys that were on the board as well. And again, I lost your peanut for a second when you're making your Jalen point, but like mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted wanted that pick to be traded. Um, but in he the was face, booed. Absolute right? So it's for me, it's a little bit of that, like you know, redemption for Danny Ainge of 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 the the anger over that pick into what it's turned into. And again, that that wasn't a pick that you could afford. Like when you talk about we talk about Gershon, like you can afford sometimes to mess up a 16th pick, but for the future of an organization, you got to nail that number three. And with all, and, and there was no clear cut number three. That was a two. That was a two player draft, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Ainge nailed it. Like to me, that that was that was his biggest challenge. That was the biggest, the, the highest degree of difficulty uh, to be in as a general manager, and he absolutely nailed it. So that that that's his best draft pick for me. And real quick, like just to put it into context, like Jalen is so good and was so valuable that the Celtics were not willing to move him for Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard is, in my opinion, the best player in the world. So uh, obviously they're high on him, and obviously they are confident in everything that he brings to the table. One year of Kawhi Leonard, to clarify, but your point sure. still stands. But also um, probably a championship. But yes, yeah, that's also a good point. Like they could have gone all in on that year uh, and landed him, but uh, like we'll find out. But it's, I think that's probably a pretty good gamble. The Celtics stayed away from there. Um, okay, we're down. So that was your number one, Rich. Who's your? So it means you have three and two left. Who's number three on your list? Uh, for me, number three is Michael Pena's favorite, Rajon Rondo. Hell yeah! And 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 like part of it, like I thought about maybe even having him number one for a while, but like like when 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 there's a Rondo available at twenty one, like it's more like a, a the fault of all the other teams that that didn't take him in the top twenty. You know what I mean? Like they, they deserve more blame in some ways that than Danny Ainge does credit for taking Rondo twenty one. I think, but uh, when you can when you can get a guy at twenty one who ultimately is you know leads you to two finals is the best player on your team. Uh, 
when like when you're one win short of another finals appearance uh when you can get a ronda you know you can argue the uh, the first team all defense but the first team all defense the the all-star games everything the assist crowns a guy like that at 21 is that that's just a huge a huge w i mean i don't think i need to even speak <laughs> this is the this is the safest bet going into that this is is he number one on your list mike no tatum so this is what oh, tatum was one so is rondo two yeah of course okay um rondo i would have bet rondo was one yeah, I had Rondo one for a while, and then I was like, it's just a lot easier for me to argue, make the, the Tatum argument. But yeah, Rondo's my number two. Um, yeah, I mean, this is really easy here. I do think, Rich, that it was not like, it was kind of a bit, it, this is like, a, not to the, the degree that the Giannis situation was a risk and you're betting on upside, but Rondo coming out of Kentucky was just this like super mercurial uh, malcontent, and so the and uh, the, like the shooting was uh, just absolutely atrocious. And you know, being able to shoot as a point guard even then was pretty important. And there was some other names available technically. I believe Kyle Lowry was still on the board, and you know he was pretty good at Nova. We didn't know he would be what he became, but. Um, I just think like yeah, you take this guy, he's a linchpin of your team and he becomes a four-time all-star. He becomes the best player in a playoff series. Uh multiple times he was the best player in a playoff series against LeBron James. Uh and one time he was the best player in a series that had LeBron and Dwayne Wade just out of Dwayne Wade's prime. So, uh yeah, Rondo before he tore his ACL was just this absolute freak of nature, a complete force. Um and he did it all without uh like a, a reliable jump shot. It's remarkable looking back at his career and the the impact that he had. Don't forget Wade had to break his arm to slow him down. He did, yes. Never forget. <laughs> um Yeah, he was my number two and it it was really hard to keep him too. I thought long and hard about it putting him at one um i think the most more impressive part of this pick the 2006 draft class was pretty awful if you look at it like rondo is easily like a top three guy in that entire draft class it was like Lowry. you mentioned Millsap, aldridge and that's it and i'll honestly take rondo's career over Millsap's in a second because Millsap has not shown much in the postseason ever where rondo uh I think the ceiling, the yeah, the ceiling, the peak, Rondo is above, I want to say everybody, but I like, I don't know if that's fair to Lowry, who, Lowry's been a beast. Yeah, Lowry, I'd maybe, I think at this point, and then I'd Aldridge. take Lowry over him, and then Aldridge, again, but even, yeah, so I'd take, you know, Aldridge, Lowry, Rondo to me are, are the, the, the top three, and put them in whatever order you want. Um, honestly, Lowry might be number one, just based off of what he's done the last few years yeah um i think to me aldridge is number one but uh i think aldridge is like the most underrated player of his era but yeah i'll take i could i could see lowry and then like we're just talking about a like i don't know i don't know how many of our listeners maybe like i don't know what the age group is or like the demo but if you didn't see rondo in 2010 in that Cavs series like then you don't really understand what we're talking about here. He well, you should have you so should have seen good. it in the last two months because they've been playing. You should they've played. I've watched the Celtics Lakers 
2010 finals like five times now on NBA TV over the last two months because that's I feel like they're playing that a ton. But yeah, you, yeah, like you said, Mike, watch those games. Wait, so Rich, have we not gotten what's what do we have not gotten out of you? Number is number your number two? Have you not said it yet? Oh, did we lose him again? Oh, <laughs> uh, can we? <laughs> Oh, we lo- so yeah, we, we lost, lost Rich. We're just going to, I guess we should just yeah, we're gonna wrap this real quick. Yeah, so but he- I'm going to say that Rich let us know that uh, Al Jefferson, this is number two overall pick of Danny Ainge's tenure. And honestly, I didn't even consider Al Jefferson for my list. I, that's probably an oversight. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. He never, I mean, crossed my mind to include him, but like I would have included Avery Bradley before I included Al Jefferson. That's probably a mistake now that I'm thinking about it. I, my goodness. Yeah, because... That's a hot take. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty hot take, but it, yeah, it is. I Yeah, because now that I'm thinking about it, and Rich makes this point that, uh, yeah, he was the centerpiece of the most important trade of the past 30 years for the Celtics, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an important pick, I gotta say. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to leave it at that before I embarrass myself even further. Okay. Um, well, he was number one on my uh, list. Uh, number one? Oh, He was wow. number one. Okay. Um, yeah. That's the guy that brought you the championship. And you're talking about risk and needing to nail draft picks. Um, the Celtics in 2004 were in a very tough spot. They were blowing things up. They had bad contracts on the books and Ainge had a plan but in order to achieve that plan you need to nail your draft picks and they did it with role guys like West and Tony Allen Um, but there was none bigger than taking a high school kid at number 15 overall who turned into a 20 and 10 guy before he entered his prime and that's Al Jefferson and who knows what his career turns into in Minnesota if he doesn't tear that ACL. Um, but before that, he was as reliable a 20 to 10 guy as they come. And it's, it's kind of too bad that he never really played on a, an elite team because um, he was stuck in Minnesota and Utah and Charlotte just you know never with uh, a good number two co-star or a number one co-star over him. But yeah, like you got... Kevin Garnett is never in Boston without Al Jefferson. And to me, to land a guy who was essentially all-star caliber in the middle of the first round at that point in the Celtics tenure, that makes him, that makes him number one in my mind. Fair. Fair. Um, hopefully. So where, where would you think you put him on your list now, Mike? Did I convince you at all there? You, I would, I, I would have him over perk. Yeah. But I'm okay. I'm keeping. I'd probably bump Perk off, bump Smart to five, put Al at four, and then have Jalen three, Rondo two, Tatum one. Got it. All right, I've done my job then. Um, and you would have Kelly. As I had, the worst. And I had Kelly. Yeah, I Kelly. I honestly would have put Kelly as an honorable mention for a positive pick, if we're being fair. <laughs> so that <laughs> I'm glad we we could disagree. I my best guy wasn't on your list, and your worst guy was on my list. So it's it's perfect. It's this was a this was a perfect debate uh, here the way we thought. But we'll put a bow on it there. Uh, Rich, uh, that was yeah. We have Rich's full five. Um, 
in the play here, he had uh, Jalen as number one. Just to recap, uh, my top five was Delonte, Perk, uh, four, Tatum three, Ronald two, and Al one. So, uh, Ridge's top five is Avery Bradley, uh, Tatum, Rondo, Al Jefferson, and Jalen. So, this was a good mix, Mike. I feel like we covered all our bases here, but no one, I don't think anyone of us had even guys aligned in the same spot. No, this was a good exercise. This was a lot of fun. My lists were the best. My rankings were <laughs> superior. Um, so I was glad that I got to show my intelligence. All right. So get out of us at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter, at Michael V. Pina, at Brian T. Rob, at um, Rich underscore Levine. I actually want to know this. Who had the hottest take in this exercise? No question. Who had the hottest take? Because there were a lot like... We undersold. I wasn't prepared for the number of hot takes we had here, but they were flying. And so let us know who had the best list, who had the worst list. Um, what's your top five for best and worst? Um, we'll hopefully recap some of that in next week's episode once we, if we get some feedback from you guys. But in the meantime, uh, subscribe to the Wing Place Pod. Uh, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find us. And. We will be back next week with um, some more Ainge Debate Talk.